So I want to talk to you this morning. I want to bring a message to you from Philippians chapter 4. So I'd like for you to be, go ahead and turn there in your device or your Bible. Philippians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you this morning about practice. About how as the people of God, we got to practice. Now for some of you, some of you I look at you here in this room and I see some coaches in the room. Some of you who are coaches, you probably know what it's like when you call practice. And sometimes your, your players are a little bit tired and they look at you and they go, Oh, coach. Any of you coaches ever had, oh, co practice? Y'all remember the Allen Iverson video? I'd never forget it. Allen Iverson, they, they're interviewing. He said, practice, practice. You want to talk to me about practice? Never forget that. And so today I want to talk to you about practice. But I know that practice is not as fun as playing in the game. I understand that we want to live for the game, but if you want to be good in the game, you got to practice. That's what I want to talk to you today. So in Philippians chapter 4, I tell you what, before I, I do that, let me set this up for a moment. I am told that we live in the information age. The information age. That there is more information available today than there has ever been. And that information is something like doubling or something every so many years. It's incredible the amount of, of information that's out there. Nowadays, I tell Kate, and I say, Kate, you need to watch me do this because you're going to need to do this one day. And Kate looks at me and he says, why? I can just look it up on YouTube. I'm like, no, you're going to get out here and sweat. Because <laughs> I want you to know what it's like to sweat. But yes, there are times where I'll look it up on YouTube too. But there is so much information available, and it's coming at us so quickly. Would you not agree? You get on social media, and you get on whatever it is, the news, and you're, you're being bombarded. And, and even in the Christian realm, we're bombarded with messages. I, I think it's because we're in this corona time, and we do not have the ability to meet with everybody the way we used to meet. And so we know that we can get a message out by social media but oh my goodness, there's so much out there, right? Who do you listen to and, and who do you know how to trust because there's just so much out there? So in the midst of all of this information, I want to be the odd man out and say, don't forget practice. Don't, don't forget to practice what we see in Scripture. Now let's go over to Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Paul says to the church there, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then I love this. He said, Let your gentleness, your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension." will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything excellent of excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. 
and the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I don't know about you, but I just think those are on-time verses for the world that we live in. I just think those verses are on time. I believe that they'll speak to us today in the situations that we're in. I don't like it when he says rejoice in the Lord always because there's times I don't feel like rejoicing. There's, there's just some times that I, I don't feel like rejoicing. And yet he says rejoice, find joy in the Lord at all times. And you say, but Kevin, I don't like that. I haven't liked it myself sometimes. And I imagine if you could look at Paul and say, Paul, I don't like that you wrote that. Paul say, don't blame me. The Holy Spirit told me to do it. Because you need it. And then he says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. I wonder what the world is getting from the church. Is it getting our gentle spirit? I wonder what our families get from us. Do they get our gentle spirit? He says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. I'm just going to tell you, I believe that in this age, in this season of the world, we have got to approach people with a gentle spirit. Got to practice it. Got to approach every person, every situation with a gentle spirit. He says because the Lord is near. And if he wrote this way back then, I'm just thinking if he thought the Lord was near now, he's nearer now than he was then. Right? So if Paul is writing to the church, he says the Lord is near. You got to be gentle. I'm thinking he's closer than he was then. So we got to be gentle. And then he says, be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to do a little teaching this morning because I want to make sure we don't miss anything. When, when we go through these verses and we just look at what they're saying, he says, don't be anxious. And you're like, that's easy for you to say, Kevin. Right? Be anxious for nothing, but, but this is how he leads us out of anxiousness and into something better. He says, pray. He says, talk to, to God. You ever notice that when you're anxious, one of the things that happens is you forget to have a conversation with God? It becomes an internal dialogue with yourself and the devil. <laughs> and we forget God. He says, don't forget, pray. But then he says this. There's a different word. He says, make supplication." That says, ask God for what you need. Don't, don't just mull it over. Ask God for what you need. So we talk to God and we, we pray and we ask Him things. But then, oh my goodness, this thing that often gets left out. He says, but do it with thanksgiving. Do what, do what with thanksgiving? Pray and ask. <laughs> you ever notice how sometimes when a little kid wants something, he comes and he, and he asks all right. But we call that more like whining, wouldn't we? Anybody ever had kids and, and, and you remember what that was like? They came and they asked, but it, it wasn't with much thanksgiving. It was just like, I can't believe that you see me in need and you are not helping. So at this point, I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to cry and I'm going to whine and I'm going to raise my voice because I'm going to get your attention because I need whatever it is, food, my diaper changed, whatever it is. Isn't it amazing? The more we grow older, the more we're just like little kids. Uh, Jesus, I need my diaper changed. <laughs> I have made a mess of things today. 
Lord, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I need something. And he says, it's okay. I want to tell you today, don't stop asking God for things. But when you do it, do it with an attitude of thanksgiving, that God loves you, that God is good, that God knew what you needed before you even asked Him. He says, let your request be known to God. I love that because over in Matthew, when Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray, He tells them this, He says, don't pray like the Gentiles who just make this vain repetition, just think they got to pray something over and over, that somehow God is hearing us because of the, the more times we come to Him. God says, you don't have to pray like that. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. So then my question has been, well, God, why do I need to ask? Any of you ever thought that in praying? That you're like, well, God, if you already know what I, what I need, why do I need to ask you? As best I can figure is for this reason. For us to realize that our sufficiency, that our needs are met not in ourself and our self-effort, but they're met in Him. And that's why we have to keep talking to Him. And that's why we have to keep asking Him and, and letting Him know what we need. It's because the answers are going to come for Him. Let's keep going. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, he goes through this long list, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise. At first I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll exegete each one of those words. And I thought, you know what? I can sum it up a little bit better if I just do it this way. You want to know what it means to focus on what is true and honorable and all that list? You will know if you're doing it by the peace that is in your heart. If, if you want to know, if you're like, I don't know what true might be to God and honorable might be and, and, and lovely and of good repute. I don't necessarily know what all those things are. Can you give me some examples, Kevin? I'll do better than that. If whatever you are focusing on is bringing peace and joy to your life and it's drawing you closer to God, then it's in that list somehow. But if not, you've probably veered from the list. And so he says, you gotta, you got to think on those things. Not only that, he says this word, oh, I love it so much. He gets down to the end and he says, dwell on these things. Which brings me to a question. What you've been dwelling on? What you've been dwelling on lately? What, if, what has captivated your attention lately? Lord knows there's any number of things, isn't there? There's so many, you can worry, you can dwell on your own personal health because of this, this thing that we're going through. You can dwell on the isolation. There may be a problem and you're dwelling on the problem. It could be people and you're dwelling on the people. And he says, dwell on these things that bring us peace and joy. So I want to just ask you, if you've lost your peace and joy, I want to ask you to look at what you've been dwelling on. And want to get you to turn your attention to the Word of God and dwell on these things. In fact, I was talking with Kim Skonier. She does our counseling here. I think her big fancy counseling thing is, is cognitive therapy. It sounds important. When people need cognitive therapy, I send them to Kim. But Kim is not doing anything in cognitive therapy that is outside of what you just read here. She's simply teaching people how to not dwell 
on bad things but dwell on good things because cognitive therapy says whatever you are dwelling on is going to influence the way you feel and the emotions that you have and what you believe and how you behave in life. Huh, is right. That deserves a big huh. Let's all do that together. Huh. You mean to tell me that what I dwell on will affect what I feel and my emotions and then eventually will affect my behavior? Oh, you bet it will. Oh, you bet it will. In fact, one of the things that Kim tells her people is we got to get rid of stinky thinking. We, we got to get rid of the stinky thinking in your life and get your life back to where you are thinking about things the way that God thinks about them. We got to get you into the Word. That's why I love how we, we bring, bring that together with the Word of God. So it says, okay, we got to get rid of this stinky thinking. I heard something the other day. It was talking about ants. It said, you got, get, you got to get rid of the ants. I can't remember what the A stands for, but the NT was negative thinking. You got to get rid of, quit dwelling on the things that are not of God, contrary to God, and dwell on the things that are of Him. And then verse 9, these things which you have heard and learned and received and seen in me, practice these things. Don't forget, practice. Practice these things. <laughs> uh, that word practice, I'll, I'll tell you, because you know every now and again, uh, D, you got to throw in some Greek words just so people believe that you're really studying. I want to throw a Greek word in to let you know that I really studied this thing out this week. So the Greek word for practice in it right here is, is prasso. Prasso. It means to practice something, to do it repeatedly till you get good at it. Not practice something one time and then move on. It's not a one-off thing. It is practice until you get it. Now, Kate and I, we like to play basketball. I don't like to play as much since he got taller than me and jumps higher than me, and he pushes me around a lot now, which he used to not be able to do. I don't like it as much, but we, we get outside and we play some ball, right? But it, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Caden, but Kate and I will shoot from a lot of different places on the court, and as soon as we hit that shot, we'll move on to another shot. But that's not how professional athletes practice. That's how you know if you're dealing with a professional or you're dealing with a bunch of amateurs like us. A bunch of amateurs get out there and we'll shoot it until we make it once and then we want to move on. But as I've told you in previous messages, professional athletes practice until they, they cannot get it wrong. Huh, that's another good time. Annabeth, you my huh section, okay? Every time something is worthy of a huh, and that's like amen back in the old days. Professional athletes practice till they cannot get it wrong. How many of y'all old Bruce Lee fans? Got any Bruce Lee fans love old Bruce Lee movies? Bruce Lee said this. He said, I do not fear a man who has practiced 10,000 kicks one time, but I do fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000. Oh, old Bruce Lee might have something to say. Did you get that? He said, I could care less if I have to fight somebody who's practiced 10,000 kicks one time because he's no good at it. He, he, can't, he can't possibly come through when old Bruce Lee's in his face. But Bruce says, but I do fear the man who's got just one kick 
and he's practiced it 10,000 times because if I'm not careful, that one kick will make it through. I can't even tell you how many messages I have preached over the years. I, I can't tell you. I, I, I keep them, but I've never counted them. How many messages have you heard in your life? Uh-oh. I'm about to go somewhere. You're going to have to decide if you want to go there with me or not. This would be a good time that if you want to ignore me, I'd ignore me right here. I'll just go on and tell you. How, how many messages have you heard in your life? A lot. I've told the story of a gentleman that I met, and as he began to talk, it was clear that he did not know the Bible very well. And somebody was trying to walk him through this thing. And later on, I found out that this man had been a churchgoer for 40 years. 40 years. And I'm not talking about he was one of them Christians that showed up at the times you were supposed to show up, you know, like the Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, and that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that kind of Christian. I mean, this was like Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I started thinking, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how many messages has this man heard? And then I started thinking, oh dear Lord, how many messages have I preached? And then the question is, and how many of those messages that I have preached and you have heard and you've watched on YouTube are you actually putting into practice in your life? Because you see, it's, it's practice is where we win. It's in, it's in practicing those things out every day. And you say, well, well, Kevin, what are we trying to get to? What are we practicing for? I'm glad you asked. Over in Galatians chapter 4, if you'll turn with me, I'm going to ask you to go to two places. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul writes to the church and he says, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. You want to know what you're practicing for as a Christian? You want to know why we come to church and we hear messages and we listen to them online? It is not so we can fill ourselves up with a bunch of information. It is so Christ will be formed in us. Has anybody forgot that? Does, did in, in the doing of things, sometimes we forget why we're doing what we're doing. If there's anybody who has forgotten why we're practicing, this is why we're practicing. So that Christ would be formed in us. Over in Ephesians, if you'll turn over. Ephesians chapter 5, he begins the, the chapter this way. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us. What is the point of our practice? It is so that Christ would be formed in us. So that we become imitators of Christ. So that when someone sees your life, they go, you know what? Those people just remind me of Jesus. Do you know that's the accusation of the early church? The accusation of the early church was not, oh, those people are smart. They know a lot of Bible verses. That wasn't what they said. It said those are the people of the way. They weren't even called Christians at first. They were called people of the way. What way? His way. Jesus' way. They're like, those people just seem to be doing the same thing that, that He did. And then you get over, I believe it's Antioch, where they're first called Christians. And, and why did they call them Christians? It was 
it was almost like making fun of them. It was like, you know, them people that act just like Jesus. It's Christians. Oh, if we could be accused of such today. Oh, if we could be put on trial and be found guilty for that. Why do we practice? Why are we supposed to practice? So that we look like Christ. So that, that you value what Jesus values. So that your heart rings the same tune that Jesus' heart resonated with. So that you operate off of the same principles that Jesus operated with. So that you do the same things that, that Jesus did. But that takes practice. Because you probably realize that you just can't walk out of here and just automatically do some of the things that I preached and some of the things you've heard. It's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, Kim Sconders, if you go to therapy with her, one of the things she'll tell you is it's going to be hard work to get rid of your stinky thinking and, and, and dwell on the things of God. It's going to take you some work. We've tried to make it easier. You know what? We can't. We did. We tried to take all the work out of it. To where you could just walk in and we could insert a pill and give you a glass of water and you would be just like Christ. But you know what? Can't find one. You know what you got to do? You got to practice. You have to take what is being spoken into word and put it into actions. And that's why I think, particularly as a pastor, one of the things I want to do in this season is make sure that my messages don't just influence your mind, but they also lead you to do something. Because without it, I don't think I've done a good job. I don't think I've done enough. But there is a tendency, and I want to go on and tell you. Because some of y'all, if I do this, you're going to get mad at me. And here's what you're going to say. Kevin, I honestly think you need to move on. Like, I am tired of hearing about love. If y'all don't know, I preach, I preach a lot of love. I'm unashamed in doing it. I preach a lot on love. But it's not uncommon for things to make their way back to me. And for me to hear, we'd like for you to maybe just move on. We, we feel like we've covered that subject. We, we'd like for you to, to move on. Now you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to keep preaching on love until love is formed in us. Because I don't think you can hear it enough. If you aren't doing it. And I don't know about you, but every time I run up against another situation and another person, and there's a new day, there's an opportunity to practice, and I find out that my love is challenged at another level. You ever realize that once you conquer all the demons at another level, that you go, oh, made it. And God says, hold on. I got another level with another set of demons and another set of challenges. And I'm going to need to take everything that you know and I'm going to need you to apply it to this new situation. That's tough, isn't it? It is that ability to take the truth of God's Word and apply it to the new situation in my life. Woo, I don't know about you, but during this coronavirus, I have not gone to Fox News and CNN to tell me how to get through corona. I got to go here. Because I ain't ever seen corona before. 
And I've never walked through a situation like this. And I have never pastored in a church where I can't hug the people when they come in the door. It's tough. And I can go to God and I can whine about it if I want to. Or I can dwell on the things that are good and right and noble. And I can practice loving in new ways. In fact, I've decided like this. And I saw it through this message. I said, you know, I, I can't hug somebody. But what I can do is be prepared for the people who come through the door. And I can have an encouraging word ready for them when they get there. Because I can give you encouragement and still be six feet from you. So maybe I can't hug you, but I can have an encouraging word for you. So I'm, I'm convinced that I will not let this stupid thing get in our way. We will be the church. We will continue to love. We will continue to do the mission of the church. We're going to do it. And you might get tired of me and you say, Kevin, I think we need to move on until all this stuff about love, we just need to move on. I'll say, I'll gladly move on. But that depends on me and you and how well we practice what I'm preaching. And don't you believe for one instant that Jesus don't always ask me in the midst of my preparing and in the midst of my preaching and on the Monday morning afterwards to say, Kevin, are you going to practice what you preach? Ooh, that's tough, isn't it, D? Mm, I, I, ooh, Kevin, you're going to practice what you preach? Yeah. So, <clears throat> let me end this way. You know why the devil is so good at what he does? He's good, isn't he? You ever looked at the He's good. The devil is good. He will find ways when I didn't see it. Like, I didn't know you could get in there, devil, but he got in there. Now, after this message, somebody's going to get extra credit. All right, somebody, there's extra credit laid on the table right here for anybody who can get it. Do you know why the devil is so effective? Because he practices. Every day the devil gets up and he practices. I bet you never thought about that, did you? You, you know he's good. You didn't know why he was good. Because every day he gets up and does the same thing over and over again. What is he? He's the accuser of the brethren. That's why every day you had these accusing thoughts run through your head. You know why? Because the devil's practicing. He's practicing on you. Every day you get up and there's times where you might feel discouraged and you want to quit. You want to know why? Because the devil's been practicing on discouraging people for a long time. Every day you get up and somehow the truth gets presented to you, but it gets twisted in a little way. And you want to know why is it that the devil can always take a little bit of truth and turn it and defeat you, and it's because he's been practicing. And any good coach will tell you, we are fighting an enemy. I'm going to be the coach for a minute, can I? All right, team, listen up. We've got an opponent, and he's practiced up real good. And he's pretty effective. But guess what? You have all the tools you need to defeat him. So when you go into this fight, I don't want you to think that you are going in and you are the underdog because you are not. The devil is the underdog. The problem is he just practices more than us. Sometimes he wants it more than us. So he drives at it harder than us, but I'm here today to tell you as the coach that the devil is defeated. Amen. 
that Jesus Christ on the cross, He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has given us grace and power and everything we need to defeat the enemy. So if the enemy is not defeated in your life or in this church or in Chester or in the United States, it is not because you don't have the tools. It's probably because we didn't practice. practice. Hmm. So let's run it again. Any coaches in the room? Ever, Gerald, you ever said that? Chris, you ever said that? To the team, you, you'd run through something and then the team stops and you kind of analyze where you're at and the coach looks at you and says, all right, that's good. Let's run it again. Everybody on the team goes, are you serious? Run, run it again? I see some of our young people who play sports. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Run it again. Yeah, run it again. As the coach, here's what I'm telling you. Hey, team, let's run it again. Let's run it again today. Oh, and tomorrow morning, let's run it again. And Tuesday morning, let's run it again. And let's run it until we get it right. And when we can't figure out what to do, let's open up the Word and let's read it and let's dwell on it and let's practice it and let's go again. So pull out your pen or pull out your phone and praise team, will you come? And here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down dwell and I want you to write down the word practice. Two words, dwell and practice. And I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person... in. A, and I got to do better. I will read a book and I will get to the final uh, portion of that chapter. And I don't know if y'all have read books like this before, but at the final part of that chapter, they'll have something in there and it says, practice. Mm. And it'll have some questions. It'll have some things for you to do. And I, I tell you, I'm guilty. I will read an entire book and I'll skip the pages on the practice. Wonder why the guy that wrote the book's better than me. Probably because he practiced. Yeah. <laughs> you see, when I told you to get out a pen or get out your phone and write down those two words, I imagine that there are times when as pastors we say that, that there are people in the pews that go, I ain't writing nothing now. What you talking about writing something now? I'm not writing something now. My question then would be to you to this. Why did you come? Why, why, why did you come if you didn't want to take something away? Why, why did you come if you didn't want to? You're like, Kevin, the coronavirus has already run a bunch of people off. Now, why are you going to say something like that? <laughs> why did you come to church if you didn't want to practice? If you didn't want to change? If you didn't like what you're getting in life or you want to do better at it, why did you come? It does us no good to fill our heads with a bunch of information and walk away going, yep, I got it. And never practice. Or even worse, to walk away and do this. Ooh, that praise team, they was good today. Y'all were good today, by the way. I walked in and I thought I was listening to a CD that they were playing. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's them. <laughs> It was good. And it was it is practice. Thank you. 
Noble said, Noble said, you only get that way by practice. You can't, you can't play the drums unless you practice. Yeah. But, but even worse than walking in and getting the truth, because you've got to have the truth. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. You've got you to have the truth. So I'm not telling you the truth is not important. But if you do not have the mindset that you came in here to get something that you could in some way carry with you so that you could practice this coming week, then you missed it. And you are not going to be ready to face the devil. Because even though he's defeated, he is far more practiced than you are. So here's what I want you to do. Dwell in practice. I want you to begin to think this week on things that are honorable and true. Verse 8. I want you to begin to think on God. I want you to begin to, to get your cues from God. Not CNN news. Not Fox news. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you're watching more news than you're reading the Bible, you got it backwards. Because I don't know if you know it or not, but news channels make their money by giving bad news. So if you want good news about what God is doing, CNN won't tell you. And Fox News is not going to tell you. You're going to have to go here to get that. You're going to have to spend time with the Holy Spirit to get that. And so I'm going to, I want to ask you to, as they begin to sing this song, I want you to just sing your praises over your situation, whatever it is. If it's your family, I want you to sing this song over your family. If it is a, a situation and you don't have the answers for it, I want you to sing your praises over this song. Stand with me. And then I want you to think about and allow God to speak to you in the areas of your life where you haven't done so well and you need to run it again. You, you need to, to do it again. You need to practice this week some things. Maybe this week you need to practice forgiving. Or maybe this week you need to practice this actual dwelling. Or maybe this week you need to practice encouraging. Whatever it is that you feel like, I didn't, I didn't do so good at that. I'm going to run it again. What is it that you're dwelling on? And what is it that you're practicing? And I want us to just sing this. Sing this over our life. I want you to sing this over our church, over our community, over our nation. Dwell and practice.